Welcome to the Housewife of Horrors podcast. And welcome back. Uh, This is our second episode. Uh, But before we jump into any episode, I would like to preface this with there is another horror content creator under the name of Housewife of Horror. She is just the one housewife, the one horror. So uh, she has her own channel. You can find it through Roku and I believe Apple TV. And her channel is under Suburban Screams and it's all kinds of horror content from, you know, shorts to cooking stuff. Um, all kinds of neat stuff in the horror community and she is actually working on some stuff for later this year towards the fall time so you can give her a look through Uh, you can find her either on Suburban Screams on Roku or Apple TV and uh, I just wanted to thank her for her nice kind words and her support along the way Uh, I truly appreciate you housewife of horror and At that being said, I am the housewife of horrors. I will discuss many horrors throughout the podcast, whether it be creepypastas, uh, true crime, unsolved mysteries, you name it. We'll probably talk about it. So without further ado, I wanted to get into um, my favorite, one of my favorite missing people cases. Uh, This all kind of started how I got introduced to this case was about 2012, 2014, Uh, once upon a time when Netflix actually did carry investigation discovery shows before ID started having their own streaming service and they had a series on there called Disappeared. And I am just completely fascinated with people who disappear. Uh, There's many cases where they were gone for a very short time before anybody noticed. Um, I just, I find that most fascinating when somebody can vanish in a matter of minutes. But um, I used to binge the hell out of these five seasons of Disappeared to the point where I even had like a little notebook. I actually still have <laughs> my notebook of notes of all the people that have gone missing, which is 82 people. Um, some episodes cover like a family of four. There's one episode where it's three people. So it's not just the typical one person disappearing. So of these 82 people, I have two favorites that really just scared me, kind of resonated with me something, but these two, and like the first one is season two, episode eight, Mojave mystery about April Pitzer. Uh, and we'll get into her on another day, but this one It all started with season five, episode 14, Footprints in the Sand, about Shannon Gilbert. And I'll tell you, I can't, um, this, they both intrigued me for different reasons, but this is an onion of a story. I'm talking a huge onion, and it was an unexpected onion at that. So enough hype, Um, the time that this is all taking place was 2010 in New York. Shannon uh, Gilbert, 24, was living in Ellenville, New York at the time, and she is the oldest of her four sisters. Uh, She ended up graduating from school early. She kind of, you know, got out in the real world, realized, oh shit, times are tough. She was having problems, uh, you know, finding her niche, making ends meet, 
and she kind of, well, she didn't kind of, she got into becoming an escort. Um, she did this while she was trying to work herself through college. Um, and that's why she was working for the service. She met her boyfriend and her driver, Alex Diaz. Well, they would eventually move in together. Her service that she was working for was closed down. So she kind of started getting into advertising on Craigslist. Oh, I was more waiting for an introduction. You never. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. My uh, my faithful companion, Evil from 3B Video, is here to kind of help me when I get into a dead spot, or should he have a question, or should I leave out some kind of detail that I didn't think about, but he totally thought about. So he's got my back on this. Yeah, I was just I was just like waiting to like wonder she'll remember that I'm here, <laughs> or I'll just she's in the zone. I'll just let her go. Okay, now I got to preface this with. All the information and the timeline that I will be discussing is from multiple sources. We have the Disappeared episode, we have which aired in 2012, we have the People Magazine Investigates two-part series that was from 2016. Of course, we get a little bit of info from Wikipedia, uh, and then of course I do look at the references from there and read the reference material that they list, and then there is an amazing website called gilgocase.com where i mean they are up to date i mean the last update was in 2020 we'll get to that later but uh this is where all my information is coming from and so i have conglomerated my timelines here from what each show has kind of said to fill in the gaps and stuff uh this is just going to be a really weird case Everybody's thinking, oh, it's just a missing person. But if you are not, fam if you're familiar with this case, you know it's way more than that. If you're not, buckle in. Let's get ready. I think even you weren't even ready for this because you were like, oh, this. I'm gonna do this as my next, my 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 second episode. And I'm like, cool. I vaguely remember you talking about uh, this and uh, watching the episode. And then I think uh, three to four hours went by came back in to check on it and you're like this is a mess and goes way deeper than I thought it did like I thought as soon as I thought I was done kind of getting my notes together it's like oh my gosh oh my gosh this just this was a rabbit hole that didn't end and to be honest with you I think this is going to be a two-parter because there's just so much going on here I want to make sure I cover the details all the people all the theories everything oops I just let the cow the bag a little bit I said all the people uh, well, who knows? You may be able to get it all in one. We just have to see how things unfold. Uh, apparently, the, our first review came in, and the first review for your podcast was more of you, less of me. So uh, I can't argue against that logic. So uh, I'm here to listen and learn. So what what you got for me? All right. So this all started uh, May 2nd. Shannon's younger sister, Cherie, gets a late-night call from Alex Diaz asking, Hey, is Shannon over there? He hasn't seen her for the last couple of days, and she, of course, is in the dark and is like, Uh, no. Then, literally 20 minutes after this call is made from Alex Diaz, Michael Pack, Shannon's driver and sometimes backup man, calls Cherie as well and tells her about what happened the night before when he took her to a job out on Long Island. It starts out, he says that they drove to a small gated community 
called Oak Beach on Long Island. It is a private community that is very out of the way, very, uh, I, I don't even know how to really, I guess is, I'll just describe is, uh, this as it goes on. Is like, is it uh, one of those towns where uh, Saturday is, let's go into town day, get all the shit you need because it's a drive and we ain't going to make that drive during the week for, for piddly shit? Okay, now, when I started putting all the locations together, uh, I would think, oh, some of these places are only 10, 20 miles. That's no big deal. Uh, here. Here, where I'm from Local. and where this is happening, 10, 20 minutes can get you, like, way across town. 10, 20 minutes in New York, it gets you, like, a couple miles down the road kind of thing. So this is kind of an out-of-way community. Um, I don't know exactly what all is on their island, but I do know it is gated, and there are about 40, 50 houses, and it is full of very prominent people. White folks. So that being said, uh, he said that um, he took her out to this job to a guy named Joseph Brewer's house. He's recently divorced and unemployed. So, um, a real winner, then. <laughs> I just want to know if you're unemployed, how are you getting escorts? Yeah, uh, the IOUs, yeah, because that goes over well in the service industry. It worked in Dumb and Dumber. Okay, so she goes into this house while make Michael waits in the car. He says he, that she's in there about three, four hours. Joseph comes to the window and is like, Hey, can you come help? Shit's getting whack inside. So he goes inside, he finds Shannon crying hysterically cowering behind the couch and on the phone with the police and you know shit is bad when you're partaking in an illegal activity and you call the police during this illegal activity <laughs> so you know something is going on so why she's on the phone with police she keeps screaming they're trying to kill me i heard the they sh they let you listen to some of the call during the shows that I watched and they both reiterated that they are trying to kill me. Not he, not she, they. Moving on. Who's they? So she can't tell the dispatcher where she's at, so they can't really, you know, find her. So her driver, Michael Pack, is trying to defuse the situation, but she pushes right past him, runs out the front door, and while she's running, she falls in the front yard, but we'll get back to that. That kind of comes into play, her falling in the front yard. Um, if I bring up kind of mundane details, it's because this will play into it later. So, like, her boyfriend is, like, not consequential in this story, but I have to bring him up for a reason. But does, anyway. Does the boyfriend know what she does? Yeah. he. They met at a service when she was escorting. So, apparently... He's cool with her being the girlfriend and them living together, but she's still making money for their lifestyle. I mean, I guess some people are okay with that. I mean, I'm sure that, yeah, there's a whole subreddit for, for those folks. So, okay. I'm just, not here to judge, but anyway. Just, yeah, just wanted clarification there. So, while she's running, she falls down in the front yard, but she gets up quickly and she's running down the road. Michael jumps in his car and he's kind of driving around this. It didn't look especially lit, but he's kind of running around this, driving around this community, trying to find her running in the dark. Neither one of them know where they're at. That's definitely going to alert rich white folks in the neighborhood. A car just continuously rolling around town there. He said that he tells the sister, Cherie, 
I stayed for about an hour, started looking around, and then I left because he was fearing the cops showing up. How does he have her number? Um, I don't know. That's a weird, like... I'm sure maybe it's like, it was listed on her job application. <laughs> yeah, in case of emergency, contact so-and-so. Okay, so <laughs> let's just say that he hasn't left yet at this point. Uh, he does end up leaving, but now it's 5 a.m., and there's a guy who lives on the island named Gus Coletti. Uh, older guy, 75 years old. He's beginning to start his day. He's getting ready to go to this antique car show upstate, and he hears banging on his door. So, of course, he opens the door to see Shannon scared, hysterical. He calls 911 and tells her, hey, hope is help is on the way. So, of course, she freaks out because he called the cops. She runs back into the darkness. Uh, then him and Michael Pack end up meeting, like, in the street. Gus is on his way up to the front gate to let the cops in. Michael Pack's still driving around. He tells Michael Pack, hey... I called the cops. She ran into the night. He gets pissed off. Hey, why did you do that? And then he that's when he bolts. So Michael ends up leaving after talking to Gus Coletti. So anyway, and you you mentioned this is going to, you know, alarm rich white people. You would think that calling the cops, the cops would get there pretty quick, quick right? No. It well, took the quick. cop. It took the cops 35 minutes to get to the scene. I got to say quick for the area when... You were saying how the getting to certain areas takes longer there than it would where we're located. So when you said that, I'm like, well, that's clearly probably going to also affect P, uh, PD, paramedics, and all that stuff um, showing up as well. But well, this... they got their own police, so we'll get to that. Oh, my God. <laughs> of course anyway. they do. So it's the next day. It's now May 3rd. Shannon's mom, Mary gets a call from a man named Dr. Peter Hackett. <laughs> he asked, is Shannon home? And she goes, no, she isn't here. He goes on to tell her that he runs a home for wayward girls. He sees Shannon last uh, a couple nights ago. She was in hysterics, so he gave her some meds to calm her nerves. And then um, he was just following up to see if she was okay because he told her he was worried. Oh, he's killing people. Of course, Mary's suspicious from Jump Street. How could you not be when someone's, my name is Dr. Hackett, I run a place for wayward girls to come to. Is she cool? She's cool, right? She's not tripping on anything, is she? No reason why I would call and ask such a question. So Mary does go on to ask, how did you get my number? And of course, he's (laughs) he's like, Shannon gave it to me. So that phone call kind of ended after that. I'm sure it was more like, uh, Shannon gave it to me. Um, this phone call is going to come into play again. There's so many things that are going to come into play later on as well that it's like, I need that tack board with the strings <laughs> attached to this to attach well, to that because Peter Hackett is going to be a name we're going to hear quite a few times through this. So so I don't know where all we're going, but so far I'm putting my money on uh, uh, Dr. Hackett is our is our lead villain so far. Well, now it's May 8th. It's been five days since the Peter Hackett call, and Shannon is still missing. Nothing seems to be happening with the police, so her sisters, Cherie and Sarah, drive out to Oak Beach to do some looking around. They're knocking on doors. They're leaving missing posters all over the place, and they decide to stop by Dr. Peter's house, and he's having a party. 
they introduce themselves and he denies that he ever made that call and he's totally playing dumb um mary end up she ends up telling police about the call in the encounter he denies it to police too um side note dr peter hackett lives less than a half mile from joseph brewer i mean even if you deny that can't they look up phone records and be like hold on this is you know okay. 2010 we're getting to that so. <laughs> we're, in, we're in the dark ages still uh, yeah <laughs> a little bit um so then after the whole weird shit goes down at dr peter's house with the party and the denying it they go over to joseph brewer's house and he pretty much tells them that shannon was acting weird she ran out into the night he doesn't know anything i'm sorry well when the sisters are leaving her falling down is getting ready to come into play when the sisters are leaving they notice one of her hoop earrings at the bottom of his steps so like after gus coletti called the cops a couple nights before they said that they quote searched the immediate area if they searched this immediate area how did they miss this hoop earring that was right there at the bottom of joseph brewer's front porch steps uh i would put my money on kind of the the trope that comes up time and time again is uh police are not really considering a a streetwalker prostitute escort service missing person uh high priority uh you would be very very correct about that because what you said right there is going to be a major theme through all of these people that i let the cow bag earlier and i was like all of these people yeah so that's just something all of these people shoddy police work (laughs) I've just encountered hearing that several times is anytime it involves uh, uh, prostitute workers are like, yeah, we're really not going to put all eight hours into our day on this, this job. This is making our job easier. The, someone's cleaning up the streets for us. All right. Well, um, that's what some of them are. It's not my words. That's what these, that's I know. what these lackluster. Detectives I've seen are enough doing. crime shows to know that's how the deal goes. Yeah. That's how these serial killers keep, Fucking, that's how Dr. Hackett keeps killing these women. And they're like, no one's going to care about these prostitutes. And it's unfortunately true. Okay, so now it's May 14th, and it's been two weeks. She's still missing. Police don't know shit. And the uh, extensive search is being executed at this point. So now with evidence coming to light kind of stuff, the family really pushing it, um... They're starting to do a little bit of a search. The same uh, local guys? Or are they starting to... Do we know if they're starting to bring it's in... Suffolk County Police Department. So it is county police. Hmm. Um, okay, so they informed the family that they didn't know anything about the call that she made to them. So they haven't started piecing Shannon's phone call, hysterical phone call together with Gus Coletti yet. Um, they finally actually do put that all together, and that's when the police start looking. Uh, they start kind of scouring Oak Beach after Gus Coletti, two other people, and then they, oh, there was this phone call from a Shannon Gilbert that night. So they're looking. The police finally talked to Joseph Brewer. Uh, his house, his car was searched. He was ruled out. They uh, give him a polygraph. Michael Pack as well, and even Alex Diaz. So, like, all these guys are polygraphed, searched. They're all ruled out. 
The search of the area began. They had dogs, choppers, vehicles with cranes uh, because the like beach, it's getting towards the end of the island. So there's a lot of brush and what they call bramble. I had never heard of bramble before. I just always thought it was like bushes and trees and thickness and wood woods. So, yeah, that sounds like something that go on your breakfast entree. <laughs> Can I have some of that bramble with my shredded wheat? See, then it's kind of like, that immediately kind of makes me a little bit hungry. <laughs> so anyway, now we're going to fast forward. They find nothing. They've done this big search. Now we're going to fast forward to December 11th. Quick question. Uh, you said they that all those dudes went through polygraphs? Yes. Is this, is it in the time frame we're in, has it been established that uh, polygraphs aren't even admissible in any kind of court? Or are they still at this point still, is it still at this time considered reliable? I figure it's kind of a, a tool to let them know, hey, maybe we need to look into this guy a little bit more because he's inconsistent with some answers or something like that. Mm. But all the answers ended up, it sounds like all the polygraphs went over with flying colors. Mm. Um, so anyway, now that brings us all the way to December 11th, 2010, same year here, uh, canine officer John Malia, I'm probably totally mispronouncing his name a little bit. Malia. Uh, he's walking his cadaver dog, Blue is his dog's name. They're walking down Ocean Parkway, which leads into like Gilgo Beach and Oak Beach. He's walking down there and he does a lot of free uh, searches on his free time looking for Shannon. Well, it's about midday. Blue hits on a scent and totally takes off. He finds some remains in a burlap bag. Why is it always a burlap bag? Um, because it's cheap and easy? I don't even know where to get burlap bags. Well, these burlap bags, we're going to figure out where they come from, but that comes in later. Oh, I definitely want to know where I can get some burlap bags. Okay, so the officer is hopeful that he found Shannon and this is over. Uh, the family's called... And they told them, hey, we found some remains. We think that it could be her. The family straight up says, and this is why the boyfriend's brought into this. Okay, so like a couple years ago, uh, before she went missing, her and Alex would like fight a lot. And I'm talking like throwing fists. Well, there was one fight that resulted in Shannon's jaw getting broken. And she's got a titanium plate in her jaw. So, of course, they get on the horn with the coroner and they're like, hey, Shannon's got a titanium plate in her jaw. Does this body have a plate in its jaw? And it does not. So now we went from here's the onion starting here. And we went looking for Shannon and now we have found a dead body that is not her. And this is uh, this is all in the area they've already combed through with all the search materials they went through earlier this is a uh, in a bit different area so how far roughly from uh, where shit initially went down um i can't really get into the details of that yet because uh, they're cause I, that's something else i just keep noticing with a lot of cases like they always seem to find the body like literally within a couple miles from where shit kind of went south this all does take place uh like the big part of this takes place within like a mile or two vicinity like circumference of what's going on <sighs> so happens again anyway so they find this body wrapped in burlap there's no titanium plate this ain't shannon we now have an unidentified body and a missing girl 
December 13th, two days later, police are searching now where they found the first body in the burlap bag. Oops, let the cow out of the bag again. I said first body. So while, <laughs> That's the name of my first dead wife. <laughs> um, while they're looking for her, they come across another three set of remains. All three are wrapped in burlap. Oh my gosh. So now we're up to a missing Shannon and four dead bodies in in burlap so of course at this point this starts making the news um and now the family is kind of shannon's family is kind of happy about the news catching wind of this because it kind of forces them to now hand of the pd it does now they really have to look for this lady of the night that they weren't too interested in finding from jump street it sounds like and at some point they're gonna have to bring in more like advanced uh, people to do this because this is quickly becoming out of like their jurisdictional realm and capacity to handle things is like a missing person maybe uh, a murder maybe oh we're up to four murders and still a missing person like this is getting a little bit too complex for us okay so at this point police have pieced together that the four victims were all women they were all about the same age range And they were all disposed of in the same manner, and they're all in very close proximity of each other. And they have all been strangled. Um, These four ladies would go on to be identified, and they all were uh, escorts. They were all ladies of the night. But the first four that were found were Amber Costello, Melissa Bartholomew, Megan Waterman, and Maureen Brainerd Barnes. So... The reason why I have to bring this up is because Dr. Peter Hackett's starting to come back into this story. Of course he is. So eight days after Melissa disappeared, her younger sister Amanda starts getting phone calls from Melissa's phone. Uh, she says it's a man, uh, and he asks her, are you going to be a prostitute too? He called her repeatedly, taunting her with, I know what you look like. Uh, you're just going to be a whore as well. I mean, just all this horrible shit about her sister and that then he finally on the very last call of like seven eight calls that he made to her he tells amanda you're never going to see your sister again because i killed her so now we have a serial killer strangling escorts um he's meeting them online uh he's discarding them along ocean parkway slash gilgo beach area it's dark it's out of the way and there's not a lot of traffic so hmm. now we fast forward, new year comes, the winter's over, they can start kind of resuming some searches, which they do. So the search for Shannon is resumed along Ocean Parkway and it has extended to other parts of the island now and they got more resources. Um, so they found <laughs> another set of remains. Then two days later, three more bodies. This makes eight victims. All of them have been, um, like, now that they know about the titanium plate, they know from Jump Street, just looking at it, that none of these eight are Shannon. Wow. So, this onion keeps getting a little... Deeper. Yes. We're, we're getting into... We're not even to the core of this onion. <laughs> I'm afraid of what the core is going to be. We already got eight corpses. So the fifth victim to be found, uh, she was found and identified. Um, she would uh, go on to be Jessica Taylor. Um, 
The remaining victims weren't identified, but of the victims found, and I have theories about these, one of them was an Asian man in women's clothing. I think that this might have been a man perpetrating as a woman to get, you know, a high dollar escort job because all of these girls, one of the details that's going to come out in when they start piecing this together is that all of these girls were offered very high dollar amounts of money to come all the way out to Long Island. So I think that he was perpetrating as a woman. He got this job. He's thinking, hell yeah, it's going to be big money. He gets out there. Things start getting steamy. They realize, oh shit, it's a guy. They And he was not strangled. He was beaten to death. So if this person is actually linked to the Long Island serial killer's victim list. So I'm thinking that once again, he was perpetrating as a woman to, I don't know, but I think that's how it went down. Hmm. One of the other victims was a two-year-old toddler. Okay, now it's getting out of the... uh out of the mo that's been established here for one and the remaining three are all jane does um the toddler would end up being dna linked to one of the jane does who was an escort my mm. theory my theory on that is take your kid to work day i think so i think she was like hey i need this money this is like fifteen hundred dollars or however much she you know was offered I think that she was like, hey, I got my kid. He's probably like, hey, bring the kid with you. We can put the kid to sleep in the next room. When we know the kid's asleep, we can get busy. She, of course, brings the kid out. She thinks the kid's going to be sleeping. They're going to be getting busy. She's going to make big money and go home. Uh, I think he, the one that he was DNA linked to, the kid was DNA linked to, was uh, strangled. However, the child was not strangled. She was wrapped in a blanket. So those are just my two theories. Of uh, there's so many dead people, and there's and it's and the manner of death is different with all of these people. Just about uh, like with some of the groupings, we'll get to that. This is just this is so much to take in. I don't even know how to give you the details in order. Uh, yeah, it sounds like sounds like some Henry Lee Lucas type stuff here. Okay, so two days later, two more bodies um, are found, uh, making the body count now 10. Um, they, uh, the plot thickens even more because some of these new bodies, after the initial four were found, have been dismembered. Um, the others were just wrapped up and dumped, and these were... Right, but hmm. there's going to be more to this and it's going to get just more gruesome along the way. So with all these discoveries and the unusualness of this, police believe they found a dumping ground for two to three serial killers because we got the four strangled in the burlap. Then we got all these others that are cut up in pieces and found in plastic bags. Hmm. And also we have a toddler and a dude. All these others are women. Was there any establishing on uh, time of death, roughly, between, like, 
uh, is it assumed that they were killed and disposed of in the order they were found or could it have been backwards like it's different like so have... these people went missing before shannon went missing like the asian man they've already said that he had been there one of the details which i was going to get into was that he has been there at least five years and that's the quote from the site that he had been there at least five years so basically shannon going missing has led to the discovery of all these bodies that have been buried for years I'm just wondering if it could be, if it is a one-person uh, setup, is it someone that started maybe with one of the methods? Like, let's say it's, let's say it is my sus- suspected Doctor Hackett, and starts out living up to his name and hacking up bodies, and then at some point realize like, fuck, this is a lot of work. But what if I just strangle them and just toss them out there instead? Maybe that won't be. I mean, shit, I've done this so so many times now, because I mean that's how. I think that's even like a Ted Bunny quote how it starts is every your first kill is your super meticulous where every little detail is and by the time you're on your tenth one you're like, Where'd I leave that screwdriver again? Uh funny you mention that because that is one of the theories that we will be getting into. Oh, so. look at that, I'm on top of shit. Right. So anyway, it's two thousand eleven, it's approximately a year after Shannon's disappearance, and Shannon's mom finally gets those phone records. And she takes him to the police and proves without a doubt that Dr. Peter Hackett did call her two days after the disappearance. So, of course, the police jump in the car. They run over to Dr. Peter's house. He totally recants, and all of a sudden, he remembers. And he said that he just wanted to comfort Mary in her time of worry. So so? (laughs) now all of a sudden he's like, he's telling the police, no, I never made no calls. I don't know who the hell this is. Shannon who? And now a year later, he's all like, oh yeah, I did call her and I wanted to make sure she was okay. And yeah, I totally remember now. Um, When you watch the, if you do decide to watch the investigation discovery um, episodes, the People Magazine Investigates, it's a two part series they kind of go into Dr. Peter Hackett and this guy is weird. Like you have to be to be named Dr. Hackett. You already got to start out bizarre. He's just weird. Okay. So now that we've got Dr. Peter Hackett as an unreliable person, cause we've already proven he's a liar. She's got it in black and white on paper. Clear as crystal. So now it's December 5th of 2000. So it's a few months down the road from the Dr. Peter confrontation here. Police resume another search and hope this time they find Shannon. So we got 10 dead bodies, a missing girl, and a doctor who's lying about phone calls. I want to get inside this Dr. Hackett's place. They're trying new places. Okay, so that same officer, uh, uh, Officer John Malia, with his dog Blue, he's checking out another marshy area and finds Shannon's little handbag and her ID in it. Over the next few days, they find her shoes, then her jeans. And this is a really marshy, watery, just gross, mucky area. Um, They had to bring in an amphibious vehicle to continue the search because it was so marshy. And guess where they found Shannon's purse, jeans, and shoes? In Dr. Hackett's mailbox. No, behind Dr. Hackett's house. Oh, shit. So a couple more days later, December 13th, more remains are found. They know right offhand it is Shannon. 
So finally, like a year and some odd months later, they finally find Shannon. So uh, the Suffolk County Police Department makes a press statement. They believe Shannon's death was an accident. So they go on. Yeah, this is some (laughs) bull. Get ready for some bullshit right here. What? So they speculate that she was possibly on drugs or in a manic state, and she was trying to get away through the thick, through the thick brush and marshy area, and she exhausted herself. She collapsed and succumbed to the elements. You know, I can't a hundred percent disagree with that. When, because something that the two things that 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 add to that is one, uh, Doctor Hackett doing the uh, she's not freaking out or anything is she uh, i did put her on some meds those the she's cool though right like that's one red flag and the other one that stood out to me is when she's in uh one dude's house and starts freaking out and calls the police herself then takes the fuck off running gets to the other guy's house and freaks out when he does the same thing she just did try to call the police and she freaks out and runs away then like that ah, that doesn't follow a slight trend of uh making sense so I think she's got. She might be having some side effects or some hallucinations, something off whatever Doctor Hackett is uh, giving her. Okay, so something we know this all stinks to high hell, and so does the family. The family, Shannon's family, ain't buying this. She got exhausted and succumbed to the elements. So you know what they did? They did the next best thing. They get a hold of the HBO show Autopsies, Doctor Bodden. Dr. Michael Bodden. Yeah. That dude dude don't fuck around. Yes. And he said that her skeleton looked normal, except for the hyoid bone. I hope I'm saying that right. Hyoid bone in her upper throat was broken. And it is commonly broken by manual strangulation. So he, Dr. Bodden, the professional that has done all these HBO shows cannot rule out strangulation as a cause of death to Shannon Gilbert. So that probably puts it in what that inconclusive uh, territory where they can't definitively say one or another. I don't know if her death certificate still lists an accident that Suffolk County came up with and then if Dr. Bodden's personal opinion or professional opinion, I'm sorry, overrides what Suffolk County says or if it's just an additional opinion to what Suffolk County coroner has already said. So that being said, then we get to the con- uh, Shannon's 911 phone call, which we come to find out is 23 minutes long. The contents of that call has never been released. But here's the deal. If her death was an accident, why won't they release that call? And they won't release any reason as to why they won't release the call. Uh, maybe it is a lot of gibberish kind of thing, not making not making sense. Maybe releasing if it's it an to- accident. If it was an accident, then they should release that call. But they won't, and they won't say why. So that brings Mm. us to, that was kind of my information that I took from the Disappeared episode, which aired, uh, it was the original date of the episode is April 2012. So then from here, I kind of go into the People Magazine Investigates. They do like a two-part series, and this is from information leading up to November 2016. Um, Okay, so the first episode is about Shannon and basically... 
uh, everything we just kind of talked about. But then, okay, um, then we start getting into the victims. So uh, we're going to kind of go in order of how they were found, um, but that's not in the timeline of Shannon because obviously all these people went missing before Shannon. But that anyway, moving <laughs> on. So to the victims now, both Maureen and Melissa of the first four went on jobs without their drivers per the killer's request. Um, so we know that he is finding their ads on Craigslist. He's talking to them, kind of earning their trust. And a couple of people connected to Maureen and Melissa both said that when they left to go to the job, they were like, oh, well, here, take my phone. And they're like, no, you need to take your phone. And she goes, oh, well, he requested I didn't. Yeah, that's... So that's... Red flags all over the place there. Like, oh, you want me to leave my communication device and a witness uh, behind on this? Well, and this gets even more fishy. So there have been times uh, Megan and Amber didn't have drivers. They left without their phones and their personal belongings. So he's obviously coming to pick them up so they, one, don't have a driver, and two, don't have their phones. So the reason why they don't feel Shannon's death is part of the Long Island serial killers is because she, one, had her phone, and two, had a driver. So there's kind of some differences here. So that makes her case, well, there's some similarities, but it's not like the first four that were found are pretty much all connected by the same details from the people around them telling them what happened but i could also chalk up to that burnout theory of he's been uh, whoever it is is super meticulous during the first killings by the time he gets to the last one it's just like uh, you just get out here i don't give a fuck so amber's roommate dave said amber was offered fifteen hundred dollars and uh so anyway she he was offered fifteen hundred dollars she gives him the cell phone once again, he tries to give it back to her. She says, he's picking me up down the street. And when that's the last that Dave ever saw of Amber. Hmm. Yes. So profilers are kind of putting some pieces together. And they're thinking this guy is a charming guy, a manipulator. Um, Cash to flash around. Right. Like a doctor might. However, so now there's some more differences coming in. So they're not, they're thinking that the first four is one serial killer, and then the remaining six, there were no burlap bags, and all six of them were dismembered. So then that kind of brings me going into some of the victims that were um, dismembered, which is Jessica Taylor, and she was a proven online escort as well. Here's where shit starts really taking another layer to this. Like I said, she's dismembered. Her hands, skull, and one forearm were found on Gilgo Beach in 2011. Her torso was found 45 miles away in Manorville in 2003. So now we're going into that shoddy police work thing. So we have a torso that shows up in Manorville in 2003 and... I feel like there might have been a little of investigation, but maybe they kind of ran down a couple leads. Hey, this ain't going nowhere. They put that shit on the shelf. Um, hmm. So, yeah. 
Um, she's found in two different places, which in my timeline, which I get into later, uh, like really detailed about when the when they're all found, uh, many of these also have double names. Like at this point, Jessica Taylor, when her body parts were found in Manorville, she became the Manorville Jane Doe. When they found her skull, hands, and forearm in 2011, that was identified as Jessica Taylor. Then they started doing some DNA stuff. That's when Manorville Jane Doe and Jessica Taylor are now one. So Jane Doe number six was also found in more than one place. Her torso was also found in Manorville in 2003 and her hands, skull, and a foot was found close to Jessica's skull and hands on Gilgo Beach. So whoever it is knows Manorville, Gilgo Beach. He, he's very familiar with all this area or he just keeps going back to it because now we have two torsos in Manorville. And it's taken off like uh, the foot and forearm is strange. Maybe he just got mixed up in his in his grabbing parts to throw in his bag to to ditch on the side of the road, but that that's like some trying to take out uh, obvious identifying characteristics, as in fingerprints and a and a head. So this is why this uh, this timeline is all convoluted because we got parts showing up here in this year. We got parts showing up here in this year. Is it, it, is it possible that these were all done, but they were just not found until years later kind of thing? Right. So I'm thinking that uh, Jane Doe 6 and Jessica Taylor were killed probably right about the same time, you know, probably days apart. And he, hmm. of course, disposes of the body. I think the torsos in Manorville, I think were disposed of at the same time. But that's is, just my theory. Is there a big is there a big time kind of discrepancy between some of the victims, like as far as ages? So like, to keep myself like, straight, at the end of all of this, I wrote out a timeline on years, based on years, of course, and with like going back and forth with everybody's name but once again i'll get into that later i was just i was wondering because it's like that's another trope is they start out with one kill then there's a long cool off period and then towards the end you have a berserker mode where it's just one after another after another i don't have the details of like the lengths of when these people i just know when they're found and then what the five at least five years about the asian guy and we know that shannon was missing for almost two years i think it was something like that but anyway almost two years like a month a year and some change so um another female skull uh teeth were also found on gilgo beach but then some legs were found on fire island now we now have fire island jane doe um these are all gonna match up i know i'm kind of i'm i don't know anyway <laughs> you need the string theory <laughs> i do i need my tack board with strings like speaking this you can't see me pointing at this to this um they did like i said connect jane doe three um who they did connect jane doe three to the toddler so they're wondering is there one or two killers did this killer change his mo and evolve over time it's nothing but speculation and a shit ton of dead bodies at this point 
Is it too soon to ask if you think it's one or multiples, or you want to save that for when you're all done at the end of all this to give your? Uh, I, I'd like I'd like to know what your theory is, but maybe that should be waiting until the. I very have end. my theories. Okay. Okay, so there's a little side note of like four prostitutes turn up dead in Atlantic City, and they think it's connected. That part of the story, um, they kind of go into in the second episode of the People Magazine investigates. Um, Suffolk County doesn't feel like Atlantic City is the same because this guy is like meeting women on the streets and Long Island likes to get his from online services. So they feel like because they are two different hunters that they're not the same person. So moving on back to Long Island. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to go back to those weird phone calls that Mary got and Amanda got. And now Maureen's best friend, Sarah is receiving phone calls from a man, this time a blocked number. He said he knew where Maureen was and that she was at a whorehouse in Queens. Uh, Both uh, Maureen's best friend and Melissa's sister said to the police that he he used the verbiage of whore each time during these taunting phone calls. So it's believed that at least... Amanda and Sarah are getting calls from the same man. I personally think it's Dr. Peter Hackett calling all three of them. I think it is. He's got some, he's demonizing prostitutes. Well, I mean, he's, he's saying horrible things like, uh, you'll never see her again because I've killed her and I might even show up to show you her body rotting. And the cops were fearing that Melissa's sister, Amanda might've been next. Cause like, she, he has Melissa's phone. He sees her pictures. He's obviously knows phone numbers. Finding her probably is not all out of the realm of possibility. I'd be scared if I was the sister. I, I would be, but if I knew as much as I already know of all this stuff going on current, like right at this moment in time, I, I would probably not think that because it is like, oh, that'd be too obvious. Well, going back to Dr. Peter Hackett... All these phone calls are going down. Mary's already proven that it's him. They didn't say that they proved it was for that he was the one making the other two phone calls, but he has now up and moved away from Long Island. He's lived there 20 years. He's like the community's doctor. He's this pillar of the community, and he just up and moves away to, I think they said Florida. Florida. So, okay, now... We've got all these dead bodies once again. We've got these phone calls. The news is catching wind of this. And, of course, when all that happens, what happens? Rumors start swirling about the gated community of Oak Beach. There's stories going around that there are drug-fueled sex parties with escorts. um, And that these sex parties are with groups of prominent men in this gated community. That they're having their way with these women and then killing them. And... Joe Brewer was kind of, I guess they theorized that he was supposed to be kind of feeling Shannon out to bring her to be the next group victim. Uh, And it's also theorized that local cops were in on it because the police haven't done much to solve any of these cases since the news got a hold of them. I mean, they've done some searches, but once again, they're finding body parts all over fucking town and there's not really been much what do you do about it possibly that going back to that that theory of like 
uh, they're not high on our priority list of people we need of cases to solve. We have more important things to do in, in some of their mindsets, possibly. Well, one of these people, one of these very prominent men in the community, uh, was a client of Shannon's. One of Shannon's associates said that she was trying to get into the millionaire market and get into making higher money. And she actually did have a multi-millionaire client, and his name was Jim Bissett. And interesting thing about Jim is Jim's dad happened to own a nursery where they used a lot of burlap bags. Hmm. Oh, and let's get ready for another layer here. Coincidence? The day after Shannon's body was found, this multi-millionaire, pillar of the community, great guy... He blows his own head off. Okay. Uh, did he leave a note? They didn't say anything in about any note. So, like, he's already connected to her. He's got this dad with the nursery for trees and stuff, and they use the burlap bags around, like, uh, when they want to move a tree, and they've got the dirt and root all together. They have the burlap bag keeping it all together. And then they have the discovery of the body, and then he up and kills himself. I mean, this guy's got money falling out of his ass. He is a loved person in the community. Uh, he's seen, like, the pictures and stuff they showed. I mean, once again, pictures don't show you everything. But he looked like he was just kind of a, everything was going good for this guy. Holy shit, why did he kill himself? So then, <laughs> Once again, I, I mentioned earlier about the police department. This brings us to former Suffolk County Police Chief James Burke. Um, this guy stinks to high heaven. Um, like uh, literally or uh, metaphorically? Metaphorically. Okay. So this guy's a real piece of shit and he's in law enforcement. So Ooh. we'll get into it. They, um, he has also been keeping the FBI away from this case. Every time the FBI shows up and it's like, hey, let us lend you our services, blah, it's, blah, blah. He's like, basically, fuck off and shut the door in their face. Little man syndrome. and like, I can solve this case. I don't care how big it gets. I can take care of it. Well, so they start looking into his past in which they find at, before he became a police chief, uh, he was running a prostitution ring out of his home. And he even had one of the prostitutes living with him, and they would constantly fuck in his police cruiser. Oh, I like failing upwards stories like that. Success stories. So, he's obviously in trouble for this, but he's in hot water, and he's going through, I guess, uh, uh, what is it? Internal Affairs is, like, investigating all of this prostitution ring when a heroin addict broke into his police cruiser and stole a bag of sex tapes and sex toys. <laughs> what? <laughs> so they catch the thief and they start questioning him. Uh, he looks up at Burke and he calls him, man, you're a pervert, in which Burke lost his shit and beat the fuck out of this suspect. <laughs> I am not the pervert. <laughs> like he beat him three ways to Sunday. So then, after he gets done beating up this guy who called him a pervert, because obviously he watched those tapes and that heroin addict knows what's on him. That's so far the weirdest aspect of this entire thing is a heroin addict on high on shit steals a cruiser with porn in it and watches it 
and then and then calls the guy in the videos presumably a pervert. Oh, we're not even done with Burke yet. So then he threatens the other officers that were in the room to que- to keep quiet about beating this guy's ass. So then Burke was investigated by federal authority is and is now currently in prison for obstructing justice. Rightfully so, it sounds like. Now they're beginning to wonder how many other cases he obstructed justice in. Uh, he was assigned to Oak Beach when he was undercover, so he could have very well had contact with all of the victims and kept the cops away from that case. So now they're wondering, did Burke just keep FBI away so they wouldn't find out about his prostitution ring and his corruption? Or because he was involved in this you know, all these murders in Oak Beach or both. I mean, he's already got a prostitution ring running out of his house when he was an up and coming cop. Who's to say that he's not involved with these prostitutes? I mean, it is kind of hard to quit your day job sometimes. Okay. So in December, 2015, a new police commissioner, Tom Sini was brought in and his first order of business was he reopened the whole case and he brought the FBI in. He was like, Hey, we want all the assets that you guys can lend to this. Please help us solve this. Call in Mulder and Scully. All right. So this is where I kind of, that's where the episodes left off. And this is where my manual research kind of started to come into play. So after they get the new police commissioner, the show then like fades to black and does a prologue about, you know, so-and-so this and so-and-so that. But then they go in to say that there was an additional seven bodies located. So that means there's now 17 dead people Good Lord. on this island. So that's when I started looking high and low and I found conflicting information. But with all the information combined from the shows, Wikipedia, and GilgoCase.com, it's a whole site dedicated to that case. I did find 17. All of these sources have the 10, but then there is one listed on Gilgo case that's not on Wikipedia, and there's one on Wikipedia that's not listed on Gilgo case. So we'll kind of go into a little bit of that. We're pushing an hour, but you know what? Fuck it. Let's keep going because we're close to the end of this, really. Um, so they feel that the remaining seven are just possibly connected to the Long Island serial killer possibly which means that they were possibly connected because of where they were dumped or how a couple of them were killed and dumped um there are just some connections but not full connections to the long island serial killer so there are 10 the four found maureen melissa megan and just uh amber jessica okay this is where we start getting (laughs) into multiple names here oh boy jane doe six Manorville Jane Doe are the same person. There's Asian John Doe, Baby Doe, Jane Doe 3, also known as Peaches, Jane Doe 7, also known as Fire Island Jane Doe. Do we know why the other one was called Peaches? Because she had a tattoo of Peaches on her breast. Okay. I wish I didn't ask. Uh, yes, so she had a peach tattoo. So then there are seven that are possibly connected, and these are Natasha Hugo, uh, Shannon, 
Andre Isaac, Tanya Rush, Asian Jane Doe, not John, but a Jane, and then Cherries, and then a girl named Tina Foglia. I'm not even asking about Cherries. Cherries is the same thing. She had a cherry tattoo. So this all starts in 1982 when 19-year-old Tina Foglia was found in three bags along Southern State Parkway close to Oak Beach. They did find male DNA on those bags, but I don't know what the result of that DNA is. But they think she's possibly connected because she is dismembered and she's found in the area. So they found male DNA, so that's just not someone that's in their system. I'm guessing. I'm guessing is what that means. Dr. Hackett's not in that system. I got this information uh, from a very up-to-date source, and there was no update on that male DNA, but I did want to throw that detail in there. Uh So then that brings us to 1996, when they found two legs wrapped in a plastic bag found on Fire Island. Fire Island Jane Doe is obviously this person. Fire Island, and I did some like uh, map searching too. Fire Island is only 9.2 miles or 45 minutes from Oak Beach. So nine miles, this ain't even 10 miles away. So they believe, you know, right now it's just two legs on Fire Island. Um, 1997, Peaches torso is found in Hampstead Lake State Park approximately 27 miles from Oak Beach then in November of 2000 Manorville Jane Doe cut up into pieces uh, they just found cut up pieces of body um, no ID yet just found in plastic bags in Manorville Manorville is 35 miles from Oak Beach and she will not be ID'd until 2020. But we'll get to that. What the fuck is going on in Long Island? Andre Isaac, he is one that they believe is possibly connected. Um, he's 25, and they found a partial torso in a bag in Avern, New York, which is approximately 32 miles from Oak Beach. So everything else has been bags, and the burlap sack were only those few cases. And that was tied to the dude who, the millionaire guy who ended up shooting himself. They're not exactly tied to him, but he happened to kill himself after her death. His dad owned a nursery. So there's at least potentially a reason why we switch from burlap to plastic. Right. Okay, so that was in December of 2002 that Andre Isaac's partial torso was found in Avern. So then a month later... Andre Isaac's severed head is found in Moriches, which is 59 miles away from where his torso was, but only 34 miles away from Oak Beach. So now we have a person in two different other places. Um, So then later in 2003, July 2003 to be exact, Jessica Taylor's torso was discovered. Uh, They just found it. Uh, There's no ID yet. The torso um, was discovered in Manorville. So now we're going back to Manorville again. Um, Not quite a year later, in February of 2004, Jessica's torso is identified as Jessica seven months after it was found. So I I, I like to put in there when they're ID'd 
as opposed to when they're found. So it, I just know like the time difference. Mm. So going back to Andre Isaac, now, okay, the last they heard of him was in January of 2003 when they found his head. Now it's April 2004, and his arms and legs are found in a plastic bag in a wooded area in Moriches. So where his head was found, later, like a little more than a year later, then they find his arms and legs in the same area. Another one that they feel is possibly connected to it is Cherries. Cherries, her torso was found, this is different, in a suitcase at Harbor Park Island, uh, Harbor Island Park, uh, 57 miles from Oak Beach. It's almost to the Connecticut state line, so she's like way up there north. So they're... <sighs> She's, it's a torso, so they believe, oh, well, the other ones were torsos. Maybe this could kind of be in this case, but they're not, uh, they don't have the definitive proof that, yes, this was the Long Island serial killer. So she's just kind of on the maybe she's a victim of him list. Is it problem? Is it mostly because it was a suitcase thing and it doesn't fit the rest of the sack and plastic bag mo uh, that could be that or just the fact that a couple I mean, of these were found in luggage and maybe luggage is expensive and they just didn't want to keep well, using luggage luggage is expensive and we if anything we, we, if we know anything about rich folks is they don't like spending money on things particularly something they're gonna throw away okay so the next okay so march 3rd they found cherry's torso of 2007 like three weeks later same month it's march 21st 2007 they find one of her legs washed up in oyster bay 33 miles from oak beach the next day march 22nd of 2007 her other leg washes up in cove neck which is three miles from oyster bay so now we have another person decapitated and parts showing up at different times Good Lord. This brings us to June of 2008 when another potential Long Island serial killer victim, Tanya Rush, her dismembered body is found in a black canvas suitcase along Southern State Parkway in Belmore, which is 21 miles from Oak Beach. So now we have another dismembered person in a suitcase. Okay, then this is where... Uh, May 2010 is when Shannon went missing. I wanted to incorporate her into the timeline of when these people were found. I wish they would have kind of given more better dates of when each of these other people went missing besides Shannon, but uh, maybe upon further research I can find that. So anyway, they find Shannon, they do some searches, they don't find shit. Then when December comes, like the foliage has kind of died down, trees have, you know, the brambles kind of died back a bit. That's when they find the original four in burlap, Melissa, Maureen, Megan, and Amber. And they find them through December 11th through the 13th of 2010. Then in February 2011, okay, so it was not quite a year she was gone Shannon's skeletal remains are found a quarter mile from where she was last seen it's always super like close to where they saw her last every time well then that we go back to Jessica Taylor here in March of 2011 her hands skull and forearm is found no ID yet just just found on Gilgo Beach 
the next month of 2011, April, the Asian John Doe, his body is found along Ocean Parkway at Gilgo Beach, wearing women's clothing, blunt force trauma, and had been there for at least five years. That same month, um, April 2011, is a busy month for the Suffolk County Police Department because then they found Baby Doe, a toddler about two years old, wrapped in a blanket, no signs of trauma, found along Ocean Parkway at Gilgo Beach. The the DNA links Baby Doe to Jane Doe 3, or Peaches. They'll find out Jane Doe and Peaches are the same person here soon. Uh, They believe that they were killed at the same time, and they were both found wearing similar jewelry. So the jewelry was kind of a connector before the whole DNA thing. Uh So they saw the jewelry, then eventually had DNA done, and oh shit, this is her kid. So then from there, (laughs) that same month, Jane Doe 3 slash Peaches is dismembered, remains found in a plastic bag near Jones Beach, which is 13 miles from the 1997 Torso Discovery. Wow, that's a lot to take in. And that's 14 (laughs) miles from Oak Beach. Uh, Jane Doe 3 slash Peaches won't be connected to the name Peaches until 2016. So at this point, Peaches is just Peaches. Jane Doe is just Jane Doe. They don't know this quite yet, but I'm kind of putting this together for y'all then same month jane doe number six they find skull hands and a right foot found in plastic bags on ocean parkway near gilgo beach Uh, this body will not be identified for another nine years in 2020 but then same month jane doe seven is found The skull is found west of Tobey Beach, uh, about nine miles from Oak Beach. Uh, In May of the year, so now we're finally out of April into May, uh, Jessica Taylor, her skull, hands, and forearm are identified finally. Now, going back to uh, people who are just possibly connected to the uh, Long Island serial killer, is Asian Jane Doe. Uh, She is found wearing a uh, gold pig necklace, and they assume that she's Asian because of this, because Asian culture, they have, like, year of the dog, year of the rat, stuff like that. that. So they were thinking, you know, maybe she was born year of the pig because she had this golden pig necklace. It is an odd jewelry piece. You don't normally see uh, golden uh, pork jewelry. Uh, no, not for the most part, unless you're like a pork farmer and really into it. But that, that would be weird to see a, a pork farmer with uh, bling. Well, her skeletal remains were found in a garbage bag near Oyster Bay. Then, two months later in March of 2013, another possible connection, Natasha, Natasha Hugo, uh, her car and belongings are found along Ocean Parkway. Three months later, her body washes up on Gilgo Beach. They gave no other details besides just her body washed up. So I don't know if she was strangled or maybe she had enough and decided to kill herself or I don't know. But they just said that her car's found here. Three months later, the body washes up. 
Then, uh, in December of 2016, Jane Doe and Peaches were confirmed to be the same person. And then in May of just last year, 2020, Jane Doe 6, Manorville Jane Doe, are identified as Valerie Mack. So we have, I believe that my theory is, is I kind of like the whole gated community sex parties, eyed wide shut kind of thing. <laughs> I think that Shannon was kind of brought in to be the next group victim. That's why she's screaming on the phone. They are trying to kill me. They're trying to kill me, not he. I would like to think that if it was me, Joseph Brewer starts coming at me, putting hands around my neck and shit, and I get a hold of my phone, he's trying to kill me. Joseph Brewer, this guy, something. But she kept saying they. So I'm going with that. And I think that Brewer, uh, the police officer, uh, Dr. Hackett, and Jim Bassett are just key elements in this sex party group. Um, I believe that the first four found in Burlap and even Shannon, I think, are all one. But then we start getting into the dismembered people. I think that's a different one. And I think there's two dismembered. I think there's the dismembered plastic bag guy and the dismembered uh, suitcase person. So I'm thinking this is... Some of this is going on in the gated community. And the others, I don't know if they just live there or if they just happen to know the area. They know that it's out of the way. Or maybe they were thinking, oh, it's just close to water. And it's a coincidence that I don't really believe this is a coincidence. I do believe this is a dumping ground for three serial killers. And that gated community and all those people listed in the theories and, you know, as suspects and people who are questioned, I think they are key components and have answers to all, many of these answers, not all of these answers. Hmm. Interesting take. I'm going to go, I'm going to go with, I'm, I'm saying it's Hackett. I'm saying Hackett and I'm going to say he uh, went through, he went through different methods of trying things like uh, maybe uh, trying to be slick certain ways like starting out by dismembering a lot of bodies sending them different places being on the road just tossing parts out as he's going so many miles and then when he gets to his sloppy berserker mode period he starts getting a lot more casual about it uh, leaving certain details in and out that weren't there initially maybe he's one of those i mean Stuff about true crime has kind of been getting more popular. Maybe he's finding more ways to throw throw things off by changing his M.O. Or just finding, like, like, well, that didn't really work out. The burlap sack thing led to what's-his-name getting killed. Uh, and maybe there is some tie, ties to, like, ties to the prostitution ring run by this uh, would-be sheriff. But I'm going to put it on Hackett. And I'm going to say he's uh, drugging some of these uh, prostitutes. And I'm going to say that uh, the the gal that started this whole case off... Shannon Gilbert. I'm going to say Shannon was just one that had a bad trip on whatever it was he was he was uh, prescribing her. She probably... I'm going to put my money on she did just have a bad uh, trip, an accident. And because of that, she just happened to stumble upon unleash, unleashing all this shit that's been going on in the area. 
from uh, from from this fucking Doctor Hackett. Where is Hackett? Where is he at now in Florida? Is our our torsos and shit washing up in Florida? What's his story? That's what I'm wondering. Well, what leads me to believe that this is three different people is, I mean, this is it starts once again in 1982. It now granted Tina's case in 1982 was just her car being found there and and, well and her body in three bags as well but that starts in 1982 uh, all the way to you know 2011 2014 ish and I don't know I mean we just we have people being done different ways and I think that uh, who's ever cutting them apart is not the same person as the burlap bag person um but either way it goes, whether it's one killer, three killers, there's a whole lot of stink going on in the Oak Beach, Long Island area, Gilgo Beach area. Um, once again, what started out as one missing girl has turned into 17 bodies uh, being found. Um, 17 families, you know, just destroyed by this murderous loss. Um, so... I was hoping we would get this done in good time, and I'm glad that we did. Uh, I'm glad this didn't have to be a two-parter because... Nothing wrong with two-parters. No, but I didn't want to leave everybody hanging. It's like, so we've got this missing girl. She runs into the night. They find her and think that she just was exhausted and succumbed to elements, and then we left it at that. No, man. We have to let you know that in the search for her this onion just one layer after another after another and they still they don't know who they have some suspects when um the new police commissioner invited the fbi in they did start putting a profile together but they're starting fucking years behind on this they yeah. i mean they could be they could be hunting ghosts at this point yeah i think this will unfortunately super unfortunately will end up like the phantom killer uh, kind of story in Texarkana like it's it's something that because of time uh, even if they end up finding responsible parties they're going to be it's going to be too late to even do anything really about it which is unfortunate unfortunate to, to, to say the least yeah I really don't think that any of these are going to be solved and that's really really unfortunate uh, another rabbit hole that did come from this was um after watching the first episode of People Investigates, that episode is just about Shannon as well. Um, one of the sisters that went to go look for her that I mentioned before, Sarah. Sarah went on two months after the interview in 2016 to murder her mother, Mary. Um, what? Yes, she had stabbed her 227 times. Yeah, whoa! She smashed her face in with a fire extinguisher and then cut what was remaining of her head off. So this poor sister, Cherie, has not only lost her sister, you know, because she went missing, Shannon, but now her mother is dead and her other sister is in the pen. Yeah, like I said, this just kept this kept going one direction after another after another of just all these people turning up missing and then turning up dead, turning up dead in different places. Um, yeah, <laughs> nothing like a downer ending for everything. So right, like man. No, nobody surviving this story except for Shannon's sister Cherie. Well, that. Uh... 
you were not bullshitting when you were uh, telling me for the days, days you were researching uh, getting this uh, episode together, how it was just going to be just a lot to unpack. I don't even really feel like I gave this justice. Like, I don't feel like I I gave this in a good timeline. Like, I tried to be consistent with my timeline, but since the discovery of the bodies is something that happens after Shannon goes missing. I can't really talk about, like, Tina in 1982. I can't talk about these people from the 90s. I mean, it's a lot of bodies in a lot of different locations and a lot of a lot of stuff going on. Like you said, it's, it's an onion of a story, and that's putting it super lightly. But I think you did a hell of a job on research. Good, good work on all this. A uh, whole lot of information to digest, but... It just leaves me with one question is, man, what are you going to do next? Uh, That I am not sure, but um, why I got you here before we wrap this up, uh, you can find me on Instagram. I am housewife of horrors, plural horrors. Um, And you can also find my Facebook page, housewife of horrors. And you can feel free to leave me a comment, a message, like, support, a suggestion for a new show or anything. I don't just do... Obviously, I don't just do local Kansas City stuff because we're talking about Long Island here now, but uh, you want a local case done, you want something on another continent, I am down for finding out some research. I do have other ideas coming each week, hopefully, for you. So uh, that being said, uh, thank you for your time and for listening, and I hope that you like this case. And once again, feel free to drop me a question a line whatever uh and i'll try to respond as soon as possible yeah and you can uh, if you're interested at all in whatever the hell i'm doing uh i'm evil from 3b video which you can find on 3b video on youtube so where we do live streams once a week talking some kind of a uh, movie and we also are a part of the uh slash and cast podcast network uh, the 3b video deep cut podcast where we do essentially the same thing talk about cinema so but that's if you're interested in my stuff. My stuff is not nearly as intriguing at, as uh, as uh, the housewife of horrors here. She's dealing with with some with hardcore shit. We are just silly ass stuff on ours. This is serious business over here. Well, uh, thank you for that. For you know saying that I'm serious and everything. Um, and once again, thank you for your time. I totally appreciate it. And once again, stay scary.